0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to New Books in South Asia, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I am Sneha Anavarapu, your host for the day, and today I'm in conversation with Kunal Puruhit, author of the brand new book H Pop The Secretive World of Hindutva Pop Stars, published in 2023 by HarperCollins. Kunal is an independent journalist based in Mumbai, India and writes on issues of development, politics, inequalities, gender, and the intersections between them. His work can be found in the Hindustan Times, India Spend, Al Jazeera, South China Morning Post, The Wire, First Post, amongst many other such publications. HPOP is his first book, and I'm really excited about our conversation. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Hi, Kunal. It's so great to finally get a chance to talk to you about this book, Pop*, which is, you know, I've been recommending it to everyone. I just thought it was so interesting, terrifying, but also really well written. And I just felt like I was with you as you were taking us through all of these different scenes and sites and um, people that we were meeting along the way of the book. And I really appreciated the way it was written. Thank you.
0: Sneha, what a a pleasure to be here. Uh, What a pleasure to be with you because... You know, I've been I've been waiting for this podcast for a very long time now. I know that we started speaking about it a couple of months ago. Yeah. Um and I'm and I'm glad that the that the book, you know, sort of resonated with you in some ways, if I can if I can say that. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I mean, did, looking forward to our chat.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it resonated and um, it reminded me of so many people in my life that I was also thinking about how all these eco chambers are not actually eco chambers, considering the influence and the I guess the the persuasion of the Hindu right wing right now. So Kunal, before we begin talking about the book, I would really love to get to know you a bit better. So how did you become a journalist? Can you tell us a little bit about your journey into journalism?
0: I mean, I I, I think I'd say what we would we typically say and I'd joke about, which is that the one who couldn't do anything else became a journalist. <laughs> uh, and in, in my head, I mean, you know, I, I knew I wanted to be a journalist since I was in school. Um, so I, I, would, I would really enjoy reading the news. I mean, I my father used to, I remember growing up, my father used to read the newspaper for a couple of hours straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I would just emulate him without really understanding what the news was all about. Uh, and then the next thing I realized, I was hooked on to them. Uh, and then so that, you know, that was really the the starting point for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started off as a print reporter. It was, this was about 17, 18 years ago while i was still in still in you know junior college and and i started working early i think i wrote my first piece when i was 16 or so um you know so i I've, I've, I've only known <laughs> i've only known journalism and and that is really how i how i got into it but once i was here i mean i realized you know the 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 power that it also sometimes has uh, Sneha, in you know changing people's lives in in being able to make meaningful contributions to to not just you know people's lives but to policy sometimes right mm-hmm. to to be able to throw light on issues that sometimes never really get get heard and get reported about yeah. um and then in some ways the book is really an extension of that where um you know what i saw in in rural and semi-rural india mm-hmm. was a story that no one was really trying to tell or no one knew off in mm-hmm. the urban part of india Whatever. um and you know so this this sort of world of hindu was something that came up in my my reporting. And I mean the idea remained the same. The idea was to try and tell more and more people about what was happening in the country. Um so in, in some ways the book is really like an extension of of my journey into journalism and 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 my time there. Yes.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Uh but to get really quickly, I guess, to the kernel of the book, what I thought was really interesting is how you explore the rather unexplored territory of popular culture by Hindu right-wing, right? So you look at music, you look at videos, books, and even poetry. And I really like this one sentence you had in your introduction uh, in which you say, what makes propaganda so effective is its everydayness, the easy access that that it has to its prey." And you show how catchy songs, poetry at Kavis and social media influencers, and even books are constituting this world of pop culture, where Islamophobia and just vile, vicious hatred against minorities and really anyone challenging the Hindutva model of being is normal or normalized. So I was curious first to hear from you, how did you start thinking about this book? Like when did you decide that you're going to write a book about Hindutva pop? How did it all begin?
0: So, I mean, you know, in fact, the, the journey to to writing this book has been, has been rather organic in some ways because... Um, over the last six years or so, um, you know, since 2018, especially, is when I started looking at hate crimes, and and you know, so I, I started looking at mob lynchings. I started looking at communal riots. I started looking at events which were, you know, sort of causing or had stoked communal tensions across the country. And each time I would I would you know go to such a such a place where an incident of this sort had happened. I would one thing that I would do is look at all of the media reporting that had already happened about the incident and typically my visits would be a few weeks or a few months after the incident Um, what I did realize you know was was a was a major shortcoming in the way that we were looking at these events uh, as not just as media persons but also as a society is that we were looking at it as exactly that as as events you know we we thought these were events which had no past which had no future they were just these you know, flash in the pan things that happened, and then they, then they dissipated into the air. Um, but the reality is actually very, very different from that. Um, and then one thing that I wanted to, you know, very, very seriously explore is the process that that led up to the event. Um, you know, because because as I saw it on the ground, um, the, the the violence that happened was a result of the process. Uh, it wasn't just it wasn't just the violence itself that that was important to study. it was also the the run-up to it and you know just how everything was building up to that that event or that violence um so in 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 my search or in my quest for sort of trying to find out what that process looked like um I I, I reported on a number of things that I've been reporting closely on on social media disinformation, uh, which is what we see everywhere, right? We see it on WhatsApp, we see it on social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and so on. But there was also in the in the journey, I, I realized there was also one crucial element that, you know, none of us were able to really put a finger to, um, which was which was the rise of pop culture, you know, and, and this pop culture had been had been, you know, sort of weaponized and, and made so difficult to to sort of capture um, that that it was slipping in. and And as you read out. It was becoming a, 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 you know, sort of this thing of everyday communalism where people were now just consuming pop culture. They were not necessarily consuming any other form of, of hate speech. They were only consuming pop culture and, and slowly that was also radicalizing uh, so many people out there. And, and in the book, I talk about, you know, some of these instances where the consumption of, of such pop culture and, and, and particularly songs, particularly music and, and poetry, as well as books how consumption of all of these genres of pop culture has resulted in you know instances where where tensions have really sort of uh, you know been stoked sometimes instances of violence have happened as well um so so i really just wanted to understand you know how that was happening and 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 it's in it's in one such reporting trip that i that what i call the the world of hindutva pop stars really um, you know sort of opened up to me um and, and and since then i've only been trying to get more and more information out there try and understand it better and try and understand who these who these pop stars are I mean who are these people who are really creating this popular culture which is so fused with hindutva
1: yeah i think that really came through just the um the focus on the everydayness of also their lives and we'll talk uh, a little more about that uh, very soon but before we get to the meat of the book the one thing that I kept thinking of was, like, you know, how did you do um, the reporting and also just the work, like, uh, as an ethnographer, I call it field work, But how did you go around investigating these pop stars, right? Like, how did you get the access to their lives? What did they think of you? And how were they responding to you? Were they Googling you? Were they finding out things about you? So I was just curious about the process of getting all of this information.
0: No, absolutely. So you know, the, I remember the first time I approached uh, all of them, um, they were all taken aback because uh, you know they were never approached by by an English language journalist mm-hmm. before. Uh, mm-hmm. They they featured in in some regional media outlets, you know, here and there, but they'd never had been any any sort of prominent coverage about them in the English media. So they were very suspicious at that at at an initial stage as to just what my motivation was. But, you know, here's, here's what I told them, Sneha. I mean, I I said said what I believed in. I said that, you know, you, you might be extremely popular in the worlds that, you know, sort of you live in. Um, mm-hmm. And then there are millions of people who follow you, you know, people sort of come for your events and so on and so forth. Yeah. But there's a large part of the country that has no no imagination of your right. existence, you know. Yeah. Uh, for, for for that large section, you you don't exist at all. And for that large section, the, the idea of Hindutva pop culture is something that, is absolutely absent at this point, mm-hmm. uh, and then my my job really is to bring your stories to light for that audience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so I will I will want to I will want to understand your stories. I will want to convey uh, you know what you do and then why you do in your own words. I mean, I don't want to be mm-hmm. I don't want to be mediating that too much, and and that's something that I've attempted in the book as well, where. Yeah. I I'm not demonizing any of them, you know, I'm not calling them names. I'm not yeah. falling into the liberal trap of, you know, sort of criticizing them and saying, oh, this is this is yeah. you know this or that. And I'm I'm not doing that at all. What I'm simply trying to do is 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 take the reader through that that world of Hindutva pop um and some of the actors and, and what their motivations are. Um but also importantly what their what their point of radicalization, as I call it, is mm-hmm. um, you know, why is it that they actually finally chose the the Hindu right wing, the Hindu nationalist ideology, um, you know, even with all of all of its hardline elements, what is it that sort of attracted uh, them most uh, towards the towards Hindu nationalism? So all of this, you know, wouldn't have been possible if I was just sitting there and and judging them. Um, they 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 very well knew what my politics was, and they knew that I'm not someone who who agrees with their brand of politics. <laughs> uh, but but I I I was extremely certain in my head that I didn't want my politi- politics to interfere with with that conversation that I was trying to have with them. Um, so, you know, that, that's something that I always remember that I'm I'm there for the story. Uh, you know, I don't want to be the story. Um, yeah, I think yeah. it's a lesson for, for all of us journalists, especially in these times that we're not the story. I mean, you know, the story is what matters, not us, not our politics, not what we believe in.
1: Right. Yeah, I think that's really well put. And I, I completely agree. I think through the book, I didn't get a sense that there was any judgment. I think you did a really good job in kind of taking us through their rationales and their self-narratives, right? And then leaving it for us to decide where we want to go with what we are reading, right? Um, but I was also wondering, were there people who refused to talk to you? Were there people who didn't want to be uh, tailed or shadowed?
0: Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. So there was there was one, um, you know, I, I don't want to take her name, but there was there was one uh, sort of intro insert at that void, And this was... Mm-hmm. At the, at the early, you know, conceptualizing stage of the book in 2019, mm-hmm. uh, who was really keen to follow because I was seeing how she was rising through the ranks of the Hindu right wing uh, mm-hmm. by the sheer fact that she would come online, she would come on Facebook, she would do these live sessions with people mm-hmm. and, you know, from a few hundred to to tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands, mm-hmm. that's how that's how the reach has grown in in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much so that she is now you know actively going around and delivering hate speeches across the country yeah. so someone who just started off you know like like pretty much like what i'm doing now mm-hmm. talking yeah. into my phone in in mm-hmm. the confines of my home uh, yeah. goes on to then become become this absolute sort of rock star in the mm-hmm. hindutva world where she's going around and delivering hate speeches so she was actually uh, one of the first choices that i had for the book uh, in terms of one of the three subjects that i that i profiled but you know after a very long time of sort of you know uh, uh, sort of you know I mean you know playing along and saying oh she'll do it she do it she finally refused saying you know the Hindu right wing um, sort of handlers of hers were mm-hmm. refusing to refusing to let me in uh, because they suspected that I would, I would you know I would sort of sabotage some of the work that they were doing um, so so you know you, you do face that but with yeah. these three especially it was it was tricky to get access sometimes mm-hmm. but you know since my my reporting was also spread over four years uh, it it meant four years of you know being acquainted with them, getting to know them better, and 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 also building up a a, a healthy relationship where where we could we could disagree as well sometimes, uh, and and where I could sort of you know very openly and honestly also question them about their work. Um, mm-hmm. So so I was glad that I was able to manage that, and I think I think a lot of that has to do with the time that I took in writing the book.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not sure my publisher will agree with the time we. <laughs>
1: I think all great things take time is what I also tell myself as I'm uh, procrastinating on a book manuscript. But um so yeah, I think let like, I should
0: have that on my wall somewhere. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. Um so coming to the three um I guess stars of the book, um Kali Singh, Tamil Agni, and Sandeep Deo, um they are three of them are prolific in a different kind of media, right? And was this also a deliberate choice by you? And, you know, I would love for you to say a little bit about each of them in your own words. Yeah.
0: No, so I'll, I'll introduce all three, uh, yeah. you know, to begin with. I mean, so Kavi Singh is is this 25, 26-year-old singer from Haryana, uh, mm-hmm. who's never sung a song in her life before 2019. Um, and, you know, one fine day, a father who's a very famous uh, a singer called Ramkesh Purwala. He is just walking past while she's cooking in the kitchen, and she, you know, she's humming a song as she cooks, and that's enough for him to be convinced that she can sing. Uh, you know, so the next morning she's in a studio recording songs, and the first song that Kavi records is a song after the Pulwama terror attack. Um, you know, in 2019, where where um, around around 40 paramilitary soldiers of the of the Indian forces. Uh, were killed in a in a suicide bomb attack and and in that moment of, of grief and outrage and anger you know that that you and i sort of experienced mm-hmm. and felt because it was the the single worst terror attack in in peacetime uh mm-hmm. on 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 our paramilitary forces kavi comes up with her song which is a maiden song, maiden song which says you know guys let's not blame the terrorists let's not blame pakistan which was mm-hmm which was popularly believed to be, you know, sort of had at least edited the, the the suicide bomber, uh, according to Indian media reports. Um, Kavi Song says something very different. She says, you know, these guys are not to be blamed. Let's not even blame Pakistan, you know. If we need to blame someone, let's blame implicitly, and she implied this, let's blame the Muslims who are living amongst us because mm-hmm. they are the ones who have been responsible for the day. Um, and, you know, as a result of, of, of that kind of rhetoric, not just with her song, but with a lot of other people saying that, what we did see in the days to come, Sneha, if you remember, is that Kashmiri Muslims across the country were attacked, were heckled, um, you know, they were they were evicted from their homes, from their from their uh, college hostels. So you know, we we saw that building up, and that really was um, Kabi's first song that that sort of catapulted her into into fame, into virality, into the limelight in so many ways. So since then, she's she's created a song, you know, for every. Major occasion in the in the in right wing ecosystem. Uh, she has a song which tells you how Muslim men are luring Hindu women away, um, and then doing something what she doing something that she calls love jihad. Yeah. Um, you know, similarly, she has a song which talks about how the Muslims of the world are conspiring to to sort of impose a demographic coup on India and on the Hindus of India and outnumber them very soon. So you know, she'll have a song on everything that there is. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's Kavi. And you know, these songs are not just on YouTube. They're I mean, you know, she also goes around and performs across the country. So she goes to smaller places, smaller towns, villages, and she mm-hmm. does these concerts where she performs to audiences. Uh, that's Kavi Singh. The, the the second character is is this poet called Kamal Agne. Again, uh, similar to Kavi, he, he will have a poem. I mean his his core is obviously Hindutva poetry, mm-hmm. uh, and and he does everything he can to to peddle the Hindu narrative through rhymes, uh, you know. Um, so what he does is he will have poetry on 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 the past, you know, the the sort of revisionist past that uh, the Hindu right wing enjoys to to circulate. He will have a he will have poems legitimizing that, uh, but he'll also have poems which which you know talk about present day issues. It will attack you know the Muslims. It will attack uh, sometimes the Christians. It will attack um, you know critics of the Modi government. So it will essentially do what the what what the Modi government and the BJP want to do uh, but in the garb of being a nationalist poet you know and that's that's what gives him so much more credibility. Um, and the third subject in in, in the book is, is this guy as you call it, sandeep Dave is mm-hmm. his, his sort of you know um, his, his mission is to to fight and to wage a cultural war that he believes a number of entities are waging against uh, the Hindus. Uh, and and in these entities, I mean, you know there is there are obviously the Muslims, the Christians, he calls it the Vatican. Um, you know, but there's there's also there are also entities like Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's also Amazon yeah. who he believes and he convinces his followers to believe are all conspiring against India and against Hindus in their own way. Um, you know so so he's constantly telling his followers that you know Hindus are are under threat from all of these characters. And I am the one who's who's out there to protect you. So what he does is essentially, you know, he started his own publishing house. Uh, and and the, the sole aim of the publishing house is to, to produce books, which will essentially tow the, the line that he's spelled out and constantly legitimize some of the historical narratives, but also some of the more contemporary ones about how Hindus are facing an all-out attack, uh, you know, of sorts. Uh, so that's that's really about all of the three, um thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it shows the breadth of the kind of pop culture reach as you're putting it each, uh, almost specializing in a different kind of form of reaching out, right? But I will say that Sandeep Deans, I think, gave me the cheers mostly because I went on their website and there were a lot of books that I was telling you earlier that I uh, remember then being shared by some of my own family members and the reach of the kind of press. um, And you link it so beautifully to historically the Gita press, right? Like the kind of right wing, oriented publishing that has uh, such a wide audience in india it was a bit uh, scary to see it's a newer i guess avatar um and i also remember thinking how interesting it was that um uh, sandeep is constantly uh vigilant about the words that he uses in his videos uh because he's um, terrified that they are going to take the videos down from youtube right so there's so much i guess um juggling going on on that front too about how to escape Um, censorship from these Western platforms and how to really put forward like a really like a make in India kind of uh, narrative there. But I think one thing that tied all the three together and there are a couple of things of course um, one was just the sort of personal I guess trauma to uh, a kind of sociological um, explanation as to why Muslims are the enemy, right? So could you speak a little bit about how each of them had these uh, personal encounters either a friend that stopped being their friend or some kind of an incident that one would maybe want to think of as minor as constituting almost like a meta-narrative in their heads around why they are right right and uh, and as you keep pointing out through the book despite facts showing otherwise
0: yeah yeah. I mean absolutely um, so you know one of the things that say, I always wanted to do in my, my active reporting was to try and you know really understand the genesis of 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 you know right wing thought in in a person, right? Especially a person who's 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 a foot soldier and, and who wants to go out there and, and then do something about it. You know, and I used to always wonder how is it that the, the person even got there in the first place? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you know active reporting doesn't really give you the luxury that you that you need for something like this. And which is why I was very keen in my book to try and do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is to take all of these three and try and understand what their early lives were like. Um, you know, were they were they exposed to Hindu nationalist thought as as kids? Uh, was it something that was you know very organic, or or was it something else? You know, uh, and what I did find, I mean, as as you as you hinted to, is that I found that there were there were their own personal experiences which which sort of you know took them very close to um, you know the Hindu right wing thought and and sort of some of the most hardline beliefs among the Hindu nationalists. Right. So some of these some of these thoughts resonated with them a lot more than it would otherwise because of some of their own experiences. Um and, and you know, in this regard, Kamal Kamal Agne, the poet in the book, his his experience to me is is fascinating because you know here, here is this guy who growing up um has you know has his father's best friend to be a Muslim. Um, you know, sir. So, so growing up, he he told me how he would go to the muslim friend's house the muslim friend would keep coming over you know the families were very thick and you know he would he would touch the muslim friend's feet as as a mark of respect as well every time he saw him um and and, and yet in, in the journey between the two friends between kamal's father and and his muslim friend there comes a point where they have a they have a very bitter fallout mm-hmm. um you know and and, and for kamal's father uh, you know the the fallout really felt like a betrayal because it was a betrayal of his trust on his Muslim friend. I mean, the 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 genesis of the fallout was something commercial. And then, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, Kamal's father felt really heartbroken at how things had turned out. And Kamal was still very young. But when he saw his father, you know, sort of going through all of these emotions, feeling absolutely broken and angry and dejected that his best friend would would let him down like this, Kamal was, was obviously soaking it all in as a kid. Right, but he couldn't. He couldn't make sense of what was happening. Um, but a few years later, Kamal starts getting involved with local Hindu right wing groups in the area that he's living in, uh, and and you know the more he gets an exposure to their ideology, the more they try and tell him that listen, Muslims are all terrible people. You know, this is what Muslims do. Muslims will betray you. Uh, Muslims as a community will will do this. So. You know, here is Kamal, who's who's carrying all of all of that trauma from mm-hmm. from his childhood, suddenly getting an explanation for for what he'd experienced. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, he says, I, I remember him telling me, he said, you know, I'm sitting there and and it it almost sort of makes me understand what had happened to my father was was not an aberration. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was the norm because it was not the friend who was bad. It is the community which is bad, and the community, everyone in the community would do the same. Um, so a lot of them, for instance, they I think they found an explanation, uh, mm-hmm. you know, about sometimes their deepest fears, sometimes their deepest concerns, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes their, their their emotional baggage and their trauma, uh, mm-hmm. and then they found explanations in in the Hindu right wing thought, mm-hmm. uh, and and that is how they also get attracted to the ideology, um, which which I find fascinating. I mean, you know, so I think it, I think it also just serves us uh, an important reminder that in uh, this in this era where we're all so polarized we're not, we're not mm-hmm. talking to each other where the, the the communication between people on on two different sides of the of the political aisle has broken down i think it's important to remember some of the motivations that people can inherently be carrying when they embrace ideologically ideological positions one way or the other
1: mm-hmm. I think that's a really good example I was also thinking of uh, Kamal uh, Agni's example in fact and it was also making me realize that there is trauma and there's a kind personal wounding then there is a certain explanation for it and then there is a context or a time in which there is power right like uh, and that is when it turns absolutely deadly for minorities right like otherwise sure like I don't know, I've known people having these sorts of personal ideas around the community, but it does not matter till it actually starts to affect other people's lives. And we see that happening in all the three cases, how these personal events sort of become um, almost um, become reasons to um, peddle hate and uh, for there to be a certain like larger condition possible in which that uh, that can really take off
0: no absolutely and and you know i i also want to add here i think i think the the other thing that's also happening is that as you said um you know we've all been carrying these these biases somewhere right growing mm-hmm. up um you know i can talk about myself growing up in india um and growing up you know in 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 the shadows of of the violence around the ram mandir in, in the 90s mm-hmm. um i i remember you know being born into a hindu family i remember that there there used to also always be these biases that people would talk about, you know, about about Muslims in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. What has happened now, Sniya, is that and I and I and I think the pop culture, the Hindu to pop mm-hmm. culture has a very big role to play, yeah. is that it's 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 normalized a lot of those biases. Mm-hmm. It's normalized a lot of uh, you know, a lot of the um, a lot of the the sort of the hateful speech that we would sort of always observe. Yeah. Uh, what it's done is that if I am a man who has secretly always believed that right. Muslims are are going to you know sort of outnumber the Hindus at some point. Yeah. I am now listening to a song which is being mm-hmm. which I can see on YouTube is yeah. being heard by millions of other people, mm-hmm. and the song essentially is repeating my fears. Yeah. You know, so I'm sitting in my home saying, okay, so I'm not the only one. Clearly, yeah. uh, clearly there are millions of other people who also believe in this, and hence this must be real. Yeah. Um, so so you know this this which is why I mean this everyday dose of communalism. Yeah. has gone a long way in in normalizing a lot of the biases, a lot of the the prejudice that that we've all been carrying.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. and I think as in the book you so rightly point out to how the tempo, the beat, the even the aesthetics of the poetry or just the um the writing, the persuasiveness of the prose in the books that are being sold all of these matter. Like the form matters to how the content is then popularized or becomes viral, right? or resonates um to use a word that uh, that you know we often use so innocent but it really does resonate in that in that very tangible sense and i was also thinking about how many times that i've had relatives show me videos that have become vital that are hateful they'll point to the numbers actually and say see this is so popular they all can't be wrong right like all these people who are liking it right so the numbers actually don't don't just indicate a popularity they reproduce it or like they, they it becomes a reason for it to keep on then becoming the gospel truth of a certain kind,
0: yeah, a hundred percent. And and you know this is this is this is the the effect that numbers have on on human minds. Mm-hmm. But the other effect that these numbers do mm-hmm. is that they're they're almost telling social media platforms that this right. is the content yeah. that you need to actively yeah. keep pushing yeah. because yeah. this is the content that people are enjoying. You know? um, so so what's essentially happening is uh, all of these social media platforms, in their own way. I'm not just facilitating, but you know, platforms like YouTube are also actively yeah. funding some of this content. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, where it's where it's telling these these uh, pop stars mm-hmm. that if you make hateful music, if even if it's calling for violence against Muslims, even if it's mm-hmm. calling Muslims an existential threat, uh, right. and it's you know, it's it's wishing it's wishing even on Muslims, I'm giving you more money to go and make more such content. Right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm giving you money to. To, to get better with your production values, you know, I'm giving you money so that you can get a better tune this time. Yeah. Uh, it's literally it's literally all of these platforms telling these pop stars that this is what is happening. Uh, yeah. So so what we've seen is is the numbers really um, play a very very big role in, in not just uh, you know making people uh, have have a sense of confirmation of their biases, yeah. but they're also pushing platforms to mm-hmm. to continuously incentivize the people who are producing this this kind of music
1: yeah in a kind of infinite loop of sorts absolutely yeah absolutely terrifying um but the other thing i think that was very interesting and again this we know but it was also interesting and terrifying to read in your book was how all three have a actually much more complicated relationship with bjp uh than one would assume right uh, especially sandeep there's the case of him going to kashi and then just becoming this sort of anti-modi uh, a crusader of sorts was really, really interesting. So I would love to hear more about how the BJP and RSS to a certain degree fit in the worlds
0: of uh, Hindutva pop. You know, so yeah, I mean, I think most most people, and I think it's I call it the lazy liberal trap. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, that the the lazy liberal trap is to to associate everything in the Hindu right wing mm-hmm. to the BJP and the RSS. Um, right. You know, it's 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 easy because it's lazy because it's easy. You don't have to investigate it. You don't have to really think beyond that. Um, most most of us, you know, just sort of say, Oh, you know, this is this must be funded by those guys. Yes. But the truth is, the truth is slightly more difficult to 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 absorb, which is that a lot of this is also organic. Um, and then a lot of this is organic because there are now a significant chunk of the Indian population which is enjoying and which is, you know, which is really wanting to patronize some of these some of these pop culture forms um you know so so i just want to also clarify which is why i mean i I think i want to clarify that even with these guys Mm -hmm. um and and i get this question a lot you know saying oh but they must be funded right they must be getting Mm -hmm. paid and i said they don't Mm -hmm. Uh, none of them have had you know have had sort of the start to their careers Mm -hmm. thanks to either the bjp or the rss or any other Hindu organization but you know they've all had very independent sort of beginnings to their careers yeah. What happens on the way sometimes is the the BJP and and, and you know the the sangh parivar mm-hmm. really sometimes gets to understand what the popularity of some of these characters is. Um, so uh, it, it tries to sort of encash on the popularity by by offering their platforms to these guys, mm-hmm. saying you know we're doing an event here. Why don't you come here and perform your poetry? Or why don't you come and sing a few songs for for our audiences, right? Mm-hmm. So there is there is that kind of sort of symbiosis that that often takes place in this world. Mm-hmm. The other thing sometimes can also happen that the BJP sometimes can get some of these people to campaign for them in the elections, mm-hmm. uh, and I've spoken about this this you know this in case of Kamal, but also in case of another singer um, mm-hmm. who actually again hails from Punjab, but his his song just before the Uttar Pradesh elections mm-hmm. of twenty twenty one. His song went went absolutely viral. Um, right, and his song it literally said, The people who brought Ram back, mm-hmm. you and me should get them back. You know, which was which was campaigning for the BJP. So in, in Hindi, the song's words were, jo Ram ko hai, hum, unko UP mein fir se hum bhagwa mm-hmm. Um you know, so 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 people like him again, you know, makes makes this song independent of the BJP, but the BJP realizing how, how effective the song is quickly, you know, offers him all kinds of platforms. So so what happens then is that he's flying from from one camp, one sort of electoral meeting to another for the BJP and he's singing the same song again and again and again. Um you know so so that's that's sometimes also how the relationship shapes up. It's not always that you know these these people are actively funded by the BJP yeah. or the RSS, but but of course they benefit from each other. I mean the BJP benefits from the mainstreaming of of the Hindutva thought. Uh, so does the RSS, and similarly, so do these these pop stars because they benefit from, you know, having the the networks and the resources where their work gets bigger platforms. Sometimes,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so, uh, how does it work when there is disillusionment? Right, like both in the case of Kamal and in the case of Sandeep, we see a certain disillusionment with the the higher echelons, I guess, of BJP, and that also then relates to. Well, I think for Kamal it related more to a personal um situation, whereas for Sandeep it was much more about how in fact the NJP and RSS are moderate Hindutva. They're not Hindutva enough. Right. So how did you encounter those instances?
0: It's it's interesting when you look at their world. Um I think I think what one does come across is is I mean very simple in some ways, right? It's mm-hmm. it's that uh, at the end of the day, despite their ideological commitments, mm-hmm. uh, they have a sense, they have an expectation of, of some kind of a reward for all of the work that they put in. Yep. Um, what happens is, especially when they see that their work is is being used by, you know, by the BJP or the RSS, mm-hmm. uh, or is, is being actively sort of, you know, uh, recycled in, in, in different forms mm-hmm. to cater to uh, a growing audience when the when the when that mission is successful so sometimes when you know when all of these guys go and uh, go and campaign for the bjp and when the bjp wins an election uh as stakeholders they have they they feel that they have every right to to claim their own sort of pound of flesh mm-hmm. um which which you know which very often doesn't really come their way uh mm-hmm. sometimes they sometimes they get something but but you know very often they don't because they're not the only ones. There are so many other mm-hmm. uh, sort of actors like that which have contributed, who have contributed in their own way to the BJP's victory. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, that, I mean, over a period of time, there is a sense of disillusionment that builds up because they've, they've gone ahead, you know, with the expectation that the reward will come. Mm-hmm. In Kamal's case, for instance, what he sees is that, you know, she's not getting any reward for, you know, his his poetry and his, his Hindu Hindutva work. But at the same time, the people who you know till till a couple of years ago were, were anti-hindu or were you know were never really uh, foot soldiers of the Hindu right wing but they were popular poets you know they were popular artists in in those places as soon as the BJP government comes to power instead of you know luring people like Kamal who were dedicated foot soldiers a lot of the governments would would then go back to those you know those established guys who who ideologically had no commitment to the BJP, mm-hmm. um, so so you know some of them feel that that the BJP and its and its ecosystem around it is rewarding uh, you know the the big names who are not ideologically driven, mm-hmm. and in the process ignoring those people who had actually uh, waged the ideological war to bring the bring the BJP into power, mm-hmm. um, and as a result of which they often find that you know. Uh, that that they want to possibly go their own ways or you know they they, they don't want to be associated with the bjp mm-hmm. but it's a tricky it's a tricky situation to be in sneha because right. at this point the bjp is the most dominant political force and especially the most dominant hindu to a political force mm-hmm. uh, right so if you don't want to be associated with the bjp where do you really go if yeah. that is your brand of politics yeah. so sandeep i mean i don't want to i don't want to give out much yeah. sandeep yeah. has charted his own sort of you know political mm-hmm. journey away yeah. from the BJP and yet mm. remaining firm on Hindutva. On mm. Uh but but you know for others like Kamal, the mm. options sometimes are, are rather limited. So, you know, despite the disillusionment and, and sometimes the anger, mm. uh people like him just stick on.
1: Yeah. I think that's Peter. And I'm glad you didn't give away much of Sandeep because I do think that there is a certain structure to this book where you get a little bit, little bit, little bit, and the, the way the arc goes is uh very, very interesting. So everyone should actually I'll read it to know what happened to Sandeep. (laughs) But I also uh, was curious about something that came up early on in the book, which is that the pop culture world seems to be pretty gendered, right? And you look at Kavi Singh, uh, who is, of course, a woman. And there was Lakshmi Dubey that you mentioned, who you tried to Or like you did not tail because she did not end up becoming as much of a viral sensation as Kavi. So I was curious, are there, have there been more uh, women influencers, uh, pop stars in the past few years since you started doing research? Um, If so, what is their trajectory a bit different from uh, what you see in the male um, pop stars?
0: So it's interesting because, you know, the the gender question has always been a very interesting one when it comes Mm -hmm. to the Hindu right wing and and generally sort of the Hindu ecosystem. Uh, we've seen, I mean, you know, since the last few decades, that women have played a crucial role. I mean, be it Uma Bharati, yeah. be it Sadhvi you know, all of these people have played have played their own very very important role in in the larger sort of struggle. Um, but but they've never really risen to leadership positions, mm-hmm. right? And and even now, if you if you look at the BJP or I mean the RSS, for instance, has has you know has has no women representation. Uh, at least in its top sort of you know um, leadership, when you look at the BJP, you find a very similar sort of situation where where it still remains a very very male dominated party. Uh, uh, you know, so what what I saw was within the within the ecosystem of these influencers and pop stars, mm-hmm. it was a very similar story where you know there were not too many women, and and as a result of which the few women who were there would stand out because you know mm-hmm. they were women, um, mm-hmm. right? So. So Kavi sort of benefited from that, uh, where where she was at that point especially, she was the only woman who was, you know, doing this on a on a regular basis. Lakshmi mm-hmm. Dubey was a woman who had who had sort of given some chart busters, but mm-hmm. then she went silent for a very long time. Whereas Kavi was regularly, you know, dishing out a song every, every month, every couple of weeks, and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, what I do find is that even with Kavi, uh, it it becomes a very interesting sort of aspect to look at because She's a woman in 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 the Hindutva pop space, but you know her her clothes are are sort of again. I mean, you know, she wears exactly the mm-hmm. same clothes that Narendra Modi wears. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she she'll wear a kurta, she'll wear a pajama, uh, mm-hmm. so trousers and a and a, mm-hmm. and a shirt, and then she'll wear a jacket. You know, she wear the Nehru jacket. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also wears the pagri, which is the turban on the head, and and you know this is this is not a common sight among women mm-hmm. at all in India, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so so what you see is you know. Despite her sort of trying to create her own identity, sometimes, you know, she she does feel the need to, um, you know, sort of, sort of take up more masculine, take mm-hmm. up a very masculine presence, uh, mm-hmm. both in front of the camera as well as in in the world around her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so she tells me how she, when she dresses up as Kavi Singh, she doesn't do a few things. So in her head, she's playing this character. Uh, you know, who 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 is sort of wearing all of these clothes and who behaves a certain way, uh, mm-hmm. right? And then when she's Kavi Singh, she's, she's way more aggressive as a person. Uh, mm-hmm. She's way more assertive as a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas when she's just Kavi, uh, mm-hmm. she she's no longer any of these things, you know? So it's very interesting how the question also plays out in, in, in their own heads. Yeah,
1: yeah that's, that's really interesting. And um, I was also thinking of Snigda Purnam's Dreamers as I was reading it, because it was yet another book that I think really um, put out some harsh truth out there about radicalization of young people, but also the kind of uh, gender and politics sort of intersection. Uh, but of course, in a different context about uh, women student leader. But I was thinking of Kavi uh, and what it what that case can tell us about gender in the Hidatwai ecosystem. So yeah, I think the kind of masculine presentation is uh, very, very interesting. But also the relationship she has with uh, her father right and that kind of dynamic uh then playing out and shaping her presence as a star was i think quite uh quite um quite fascinating to to learn more about um the other yeah love... but you know
0: I, I i also do want to add i mm-hmm. mean uh because you asked about how you know that world is shaped up after uh, yeah, started yeah, yeah as well yeah. i've seen that this pattern snare does get keep repeating mm-hmm. itself you know where where you find women influencers including the the woman influencer i the woman influencer i yeah. mentioned at the start uh who refused to be a part of the book and you know she's now sort of all around town um she's also very similar in the sense that um you know her her sort of presence is mm-hmm. is extremely aggressive and assertive when when she goes around you know she sometimes will use very harsh language mm-hmm. uh, so she you know none of them conform to those to those stereotypes of how a woman, how a, especially how an Indian woman, you know, should right. particularly yeah. be. Right. Yeah. So they're they're constantly trying to break that stereotype. Yeah. Um, but but all this while, obviously, still doing, doing the Hindutu line. So yeah. there will be women who will, you know, sort of go out and say these. And then they'll, they'll also, you know, sort of talk about Hindu victimhood. So right. they'll also say that, listen, I'm a woman and I know, you know, you should not fall prey to Muslim men. Uh, you know, because Hindu women are are foolish, you mm-hmm. know, and they're very innocent and they don't know anything, and then Muslim men are are so much, you know, I mean they're they're smarter, they're they're very clever and they can lure you out. Yeah. So you know, there's there's this very in- interesting juxtaposition of yeah. themselves being the empowered ones, mm-hmm. uh, while other women are 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 you know are dumb and foolish and and very vulnerable, and they keep on reiterating the position. So so I've seen that happen quite a bit.
1: Yeah, that is an interesting tension there. And I was thinking about uh, that actually in a way throughout the book um, in a different way, right? Like about, say for instance, Sandeep, both wanting to be the victim as well as being the sort of like superior to the other, right? So there is that uh, playing both sides almost. And I guess that is maybe an enduring definition of power is True. the ability to play, play both sides in, in many ways. Um, So the other, I think the final sort of question, the big question I had for you is how, what is the afterlife of this book, right? Like have uh, Kamal, Kavi and Sandeep wanted to read more of it? Have other people reached out? Have you, I don't know, faced a certain kind of backlash uh, for the book? Uh, I know you've uh, got a lot of praise and all well-meaning and very excited, but I was also wondering about the underside of writing the book like this at this point of time.
0: I mean, you know, so there's, there's, there's definitely, um, uh, I think, a certain kind of consequence that 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 one faces yeah. while doing critical journalism in in today's India, mm-hmm. um, and I think some of it is 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 also has also come my way, in the yeah. sense that there is intimidation, you know, that that sort of yeah. often comes your way. For instance, um, you know, my my Amazon sort of page where the book is listed got mm. attacked a number of times, oh, wow. um, yeah. you know, so, so the, the Amazon rating was, was what, five or something. Mm. And then suddenly, I think the, the you know, the, the book link was circulated among Hindu mm. right wing groups. <laughs> so suddenly I had, you know, a lot of people descend and write reviews yeah. saying yeah. it's a terrible book, and, and none of them were, you know, verified yeah. c- c- customers that's right. because that's the yeah. badge you get. None yeah. of them had that clearly read the book. Uh, yeah. But, you know, suddenly I got, within a few days, I got people saying, Terrible book. This is anti-Hindu. Yeah. This maligns Hindus and so on. And so yeah. the book rating fell to a one or something. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so you see you see stuff like that. I mean, there's there's also you know, interpretation on on the internet where people mm-hmm. sort of troll you. One of the things that they did was um, as soon as I think a few days after the book was out, is is that you know someone started. I mean, there are these trolls who follow me on Twitter, mm-hmm. and each time I would talk about the book they would they would put out a link which had the the pdf version uploaded of the book uh you know so each time i would talk about my book they would they would tweet it out saying no one should buy the book please read it here uh you know so so that sort of a thing uh which was also funny in its own (laughs) ways um but but you know there's so stuff like that i mean that is something that one does come across uh but i think as i said i think it's a it's a part and parcel of the job uh, especially in these times right
1: yeah i mean i guess uh you might must have expected that, I'm sure, your publisher uh, did too, to a certain extent. And so-
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think one just one just has to sort of take it in their stride because I've seen this before as well. Uh, as mm-hmm. Even when it comes to my reporting, uh, mm-hmm. that you know, each time you you put out critical reporting of issues from the ground, you do get trolled, you do get abused, you do get intimidated. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that is that is no reason for you to stop doing what
1: you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. So, what are you working on now? And is there another book in the making? Uh, if so, can you give us a little bit of a hint or a teaser?
0: Oh God! So I mean, I'm petrified of the question because I'm <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm meeting all of these authors who've written about eight, nine books, and they say, well, "What's your next book?" And I said, "Well, I don't know yet." Um, but but I mean, you know, this I think I think the book still has quite a bit that I want to unpack. Yeah. Um. You know, just in terms of uh, not just not just talking about it. But actually, seeing it in operation because mm-hmm. we're now sitting what less than two months away from from the biggest election yeah. that this this planet has seen in in some ways, right? Yeah. Uh, which is the Indian general election, and popular culture is going to play a very very important role in shaping the outcome of the Indian elections. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I my book talks about music, about poetry, and publishing, <laughs> but the the next frontier of of this sort of weaponization uh, of popular culture is cinema. And you know, I mean, I'm in fact just trying to report on on how cinema has now been weaponized in so many ways to to push out the Hindutva thought, right? Yeah, so, yeah, so we're yeah. going to see some of this in operation, and and I'm going to keep following this closely. So that's yeah. that's the answer that I that I tend to give people <laughs> each time yeah. I find each time I face this question. Yes.
1: I think that that's a great answer. And I, I was actually also just thinking of cinema uh, when I was reading the book too about uh, just also Bollywood cinema and the, the kind of uh, catapulting to the Hindutva, um, I guess, agenda uh, of sorts Absolutely. and Hollywood, all these other regional cinemas. Um, so thank Absolutely. you so much, Kunal. I don't want to take up more of your time, but this was, this was so great. It was such a fascinating conversation. I lost track of time. Um, but yeah, it was really great to, in a way, like relive the book with you, um, and I have taken so many notes, and I keep going back to it, and I uh, really look forward to reading more of your writing and learning more from from your work.
0: Thank you so much, Neha. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure and and also an honor because I mean you know I've seen your work and uh, and thank you for all of the nice things that you said. Thank you for the engaging questions that you that you presented. I mean, made me think a bit about my own book. Um, and yeah, I hope that people do read. I hope that people do engage uh, with with you know with just how Indian society is changing at this point. I mean, you know, I think yeah. I think engagement and understanding is is the first sort of step in in trying to resolve some of these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that people do engage with with the worlds that they're not seeing beyond their limited social media feeds. So
1: absolutely, oh, couldn't have said it better. Thank you again for taking time out.
0: Thank you so much, Neil. Thank you.